and welcome to episode 8 of Movie Mumble, our monthly movie exploration and discussion podcast where we seek to broaden our cinematic horizons. I'm your host Scott Murray and today I'm joined by my two good friends who would surely avenge me if I were suddenly and accidentally murdered, Joel Lewis Howdy. and Tim Gerard. Hello. <laughs> laughing a little too hard at that one, Tim. He's like, I wouldn't uh, do that. For those of you... Also, don't call me Shirley. <laughs> oh. Oh. It was so much better. Uh, this is the first time that joke's been funny since Airplane came out. <laughs> Uh, it's pretty. It's pretty funny on the office when Michael Scott tries to do it. Like, somehow messes it up. I forget exactly. I feel how like it. that's what everyone thinks who makes an airplane reference. That's the first time it's been funny since the movie, because we made it. <laughs> so for those of you unfamiliar with Movie Mumble, you get a real good taste of it right there. Yeah, it's our, yeah, it's our monthly podcast where we get together, watch a film, and then talk about it. That's kind of the whole overarching premise. The sort of goal we stick to sometimes is to introduce ourselves to new films or genres, styles, or themes. We each take turns picking movies to watch, whether it's one we already know and love or something completely new and unfamiliar. Then watch it together in the hope that we find unexpected new delights along the way. There aren't any rules about which films we can pick. They can be foreign or domestic, live action or animated, new or old, famous or obscure, yes, literally anything at all. Uh, after we watch the film, we talk about it, what we liked, disliked, and then just see where that leads us on the conversation. Whether it's discussing the film itself, or the production of the film, the, the context in which it came out, talking about our own personal movie memories, or other memories, or just chatting about whatever comes into our heads. It's really just all about a good movie-based discussion with good friends. At the end, we will announce what film we're watching next month, so you can watch along with us if you'd like. Keep in mind, we will uh, we won't seek to spoil the films we watch, but we certainly won't take care to avoid spoilers. So, uh, if you're worried about that sort of thing, please watch the film before you listen to its episode. And this month, I was our movie selector, and I picked La Haine, a uh, French film from 1995, filmed in black and white. Uh, roughly translates to hate or hatred. I've heard it both ways. Mm-hmm. The subtitle we had was hate. Uh, we are doing this wonderful thing now where we flip a coin uh, just to say the movie selector so me this month mm-hmm. flips a coin the other two call it in the air and eventually one of them provides a summary of the film <laughs> mostly for comedic value <laughs> and and they have varied from very very detailed and frustrated or very very detailed and manic <laughs> to very very brief <laughs> mm. uh, so normally we have a very uh, uh, frankly, Joel, a really gorgeous coin you bring for us, sort mm-hmm. of a two-faced coin. Is it a full dollar, half dollar? It, it's a s- silver dollar. Silver dollar, yeah. beautiful, uh, heavy, you know, real monstrosity. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, this month, useless Joel forgot it because, of course, the guy who records and edits everything doesn't do enough already. Uh, so we've got a quarter, which I'll be flipping. Uh, hopefully that sound will pick up. Yeah, Circa, what, what's the year on that? It's usually, we like to... 1990. Okay, my birth year. All right. It's looking good for Joel. When were you born, Tim? Hey, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) So if I recall, the person who is picking next is the one who calls. Yes. Okay. So Tim will be calling the toss. All right. If that hasn't been the case in the past, it is now. (laughs) I'm bad enough at flipping the big coin, so we'll see if I actually manage to do the quarter right. But uh, here we go. Heads. It's a good one. 
Heads. Yeah. Tim wins the coin Joel toss. Joel does it. Okay. <laughs> Joel, Tim, Tim, I was going to say, Tim wins the coin toss, which means he decides who describes, but uh, <laughs> he picked Joel. So, Joel, sir. Okay. Um, Lehane follows three um, French... I don't want to call them hoodlums, but they're kind of hoodlums. They live in the projects. Yeah, that's, we'll clarify. The film is not just a French film. It was also filmed in France yep. with native French. It's just, it's all French. It's not like, you know, French Hollywood film or something. So it follows these uh, three friends in um, the French ghetto, or project, I guess, is the more accurate term. Um, the night see them use ghetto somewhere in the film. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's the day after they've had a pretty violent riot against the police. Um during which one of their friends was beaten into a coma, um, and they're kind of going throughout their day hearing updates and seeing how he is medically. And um, during the course of the riot, one of the police officers loses his gun, which uh, um, one of our characters, Vince, finds, and it's kind of this... Uh, uh, disclaimer about French pronunciation. <laughs> None of us are French speakers of any kind, let alone <laughs> native, so apologies for our butchering of the language. I think it's V-I-N-Z. Z, short for Vincent. Yeah. Um, uh, so he finds the gun, and it's kind of this uh, totem and tension-building plot device throughout the film, and it's them kind of interacting with the police, um, going from the project to Paris, kind of the differences between the societies there, and um, just how they're, they're interacting with the world 24 hours past this riot happening, and then the... the, the um, Influence that this gun, this potential for violence, has on them throughout. Um, so that that's my very brief kind of quick and dirty mm-hmm. um, summary. Yeah, that's pretty good. This is a good one. I like that one. Mm-hmm. I this I this is is it the darkest one we've watched? I feel like it's kind of well, well no, Pi was yeah, pretty. Yeah. yeah, Pi was dark in a different sort of way and in a very sort of claustrophobic personal. Almost um, surreal, though. Yeah. On top of that, whereas this was just like, like shit. This is happening today, you know. Yeah. And it was yeah. just, yeah, it was like very, yeah, very real, very like, you know. It's 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 almost in some ways I feel like harder to talk about because like with Pi you can kind of speculate <laughs> about all this metaphor, right. and this is just like, nope, like that's it, that's the thing, mm-hmm. you know. Very like, straightforward. The film yeah. was rooted in a lot of what was going on at the time yeah. in France, a lot of social unrest. Not entirely dissimilar to what we saw in the United States. I still see, certainly. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the, a lot of the, the riot-inducing issues were police brutality and this feeling of marginalization yep. that these outcast populations had in the projects. Go um, figure, that happens more and more and more. <laughs> the film, we see also Jews and... Uh, Arabs. Arabs. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was really and interesting. Others, plenty of, you know... Plenty I, of other I don't know if this, like colors it too much well that's a hard word to use but I was I in my mind I was thinking and it's, it might be fucked up to say is like it's interesting to watch riot f- footage that's so not black mm-hmm. yeah that, I mean yeah. that's there are a lot of really interesting not to say when I say riot footage <laughs> I mean pre- police brutality against and, and the film by the way opens with actual footage yeah. of real riots um, that and were going just, on at the time yeah. hey, uh, just to before we begin two, I will say two things firstly um, that's we're not gonna try to bend over backwards too horribly, and then we say our say things, you know, like don't don't necessarily trip over yourself there, mm-hmm. Joel, if you will. But on the other hand, we're also not trying to be disrespectful. Uh, we'll try to catch ourselves, you know. Um, hopefully, we don't say anything too awful. Uh, 
But I like like for example, there you said color is your perspective. I mean, you you just said that it's not yeah. obviously. <laughs> anyway, that's one. Number two, as I was gonna say, a lot of really interesting similarities between what we saw and see in mm-hmm. the U.S. and and also very interesting differences. For example, the projects here they are outside the city. Yeah, we're talking outskirts. Yep. In the U.S., if I was thinking ghetto or projects, you're thinking urban centers, right. you know, really in the heart of the, the biggest development, which is a, a real reversal in this film. When they do go to Paris, they go into the city, it's all, you know, polite sort of dress uniform cops and fancy apartments mm-hmm. and art galleries, yeah. mm-hmm. which is, you know, geographically very separate yeah. from the development we had here in the United States. So, uh, sorry, I... I no, that's you off, right. but no, I think the better way to say what I was saying is it, it was like, oh, police can beat up white people too. <laughs> like that that was like it, it's just been so interesting with the the crap that we've had recently in America. Yeah. It's just You've so on very to a very interesting truth, which I studied a lot in my sociology classes, that a lot of countries will face the same issues across completely different demographics. Yeah. Mm. I mean it was refreshing to see. I mean not like again. I'm tripping over myself trying to say something political without. It's just like police are beating up every. Like it, it's this this power structure against. I, it's another marginalized social group, mm-hmm. another class divided mm-hmm. um, distinction within that city, and I, that's that's the thing. That's the parallel that is. Mm-hmm. And those groups suffer from a lot of the same problems they do here. Uh, yeah. Lack of mobility, social mobility, economic mobility. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, uh, Hubert talks about wanting to get out, mm-hmm. having to get out, that idea of not project, feeling like you can. And mm-hmm. he, t- he talks about the uh, um, uh, man falling out or jumping out of the, off of the building uh, and yes. saying, uh, so far, so, so, good. Far, mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. It's not that you... Can avoid falling. It's that where you fall, is, how you land, is, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll give a little, just a little more detail on our plot. Um, Vince finds the gun that the the cop lost in the riot. It picks up the morning after. So I mean, right after things are getting cleaned up as we watch the film, and they spend their day just kind of wandering around. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, and a sort of interesting mixture of a sort of American high school teenager nothing to do and the sort of American study abroad college student wandering freely and just not worrying about being home that night necessarily yeah but it's like you can't go to school because the school's been yes there's an actual conversation with one of the character's sisters why aren't you in school school burned down it's a really interesting (laughs) inversion of that kind of like American graffiti Mm -hmm. high school yeah like malaise it's a good Mm -hmm. Good um, counterpoint. So they that. sort of just wander around, and they sometimes just stick around and talk about nothing. Sometimes they hang out in damaged buildings or with friends. Uh, sometimes they antagonize people. You know, and it sort of steadily escalates. I love what you said there, Joel, about the, the gun being a... What was your phrase? Totem, Totem. and... Yeah. Your full phrase about that just yeah. being where the tension builds. Yeah. Tension builder. That's, because that's Vince has... His friend was in the hospital, and he's claimed that if vowed that if his friend dies he's gonna kill a cop with the cop gun so he's just sort of carrying it around after a certain point in the film and the more he carries it the more the tension builds yeah it starts appearing in more and more scenes yeah. you know it spends a lot of time when he first picks it up under his waistband yeah. and then he sort of just, just sort of shows it just real quick just oh well I'm carrying it 
But as it goes on, we see more and more of it. Right. For the longer stretches. Originally, he puts it behind him in his mm. pants, and then the first time you see it, it was like moved to the front. Mm -hmm. So even that little subtle thing, which just like this afterthought, as opposed to boom, so it's yeah, right there, ready to grab. It. You know, exactly. I think this film treats guns really well, actually, uh, and I mean it benefits partly just from being that kind of film that's just taking things seriously. It's mm -hmm. not you know your James Bond or John Wick or what have you. There's a scene where Vince is imagining shooting some cops, and they fly through the yeah. window, almost Tarantino style, yeah. just whoosh. Um, it's not an accessory. No, but yeah, the gun. It, there's a lot of weight to yeah, it when we see sure. it. It's yeah. purposeful, you know. And uh, our three main characters, Vince, Hubert, and Said. Hubert is their oldest. Is he really? I think so. I I don't. I remember talking about this before, and I don't remember if it was specified somewhere or right. if that's just the collective decision gotcha. audiences have come to but yeah and he's easily he's easily the most mature oh yeah and we see it throughout the whole film Saeed is easily the most childish which we also see mm -hmm. and Vince is caught in the middle mm -hmm. in a lot of ways there's a constant back and forth as Vince is carrying his gun around with Saeed sort of oh let me see it oh that's so cool you know uh, can, can I hold this for a second you know and, and Hubert just tells him dude don't, don't even pick it up put it back where it was and forget it's there and every time it comes out, Hubert is the one who steps into Vin's his face and, and really reiterates the, the gravity of Yeah, the he's situation. trying to communicate to him the lesson that he needs to learn while also understanding that sometimes you can't just tell people the lesson. Right. Especially, you know, in that kind of environment, that age, that sort of thing. You know, you can't always just tell your teenagers, oh man, you gotta wear your seatbelt, you know. Some of them won't really, won't click, no matter how many times you tell them. Until something happens, or until they grow older. And Vince is in that sort of precarious middle ground. Mm -hmm. So Hubert understands, you know, you can't just, I can't just take it from him. That would not make things better. You know, it's got to be his decision. So I've got to teach him. Yeah. And Saeed is just oblivious to that entire conflict that's going on between mm -hmm. them. Um, but, but not just that instance, but a few other scenes where it comes out. The scene with the drug dealer in Paris, with the Glock and the Russian roulette bit, mm -hmm. who's just sort of lunatic. Yeah. Uh, once again, Hubert understands exactly He's what's like, going I'm on the moment that picks up. Right. There's, there's no way this. That's this sort of a turning point for Vince too. Yeah. In a bit, you see him react differently than he has through thus far. Even at the beginning of that scene, right. Vince goes from "So what? I'm packing too." Right. To "Okay, please, this is enough." And that was the other thing. He was waving around. It was in people's faces. He, mm. he until that moment, he was not clued into this is something mm -hmm. that this guy could kill me with yeah um yeah it's he also had that oh go ahead no no finish your thought well no no i was going somewhere else oh. so. well, i was just thinking like up until that point i feel like he felt that yeah the sense of power because it's like oh hey i have this thing now and it, it's just kind of him and his two friends and it's just like th yeah this point of, of of power and strength that he had but yeah once mm -hmm. it was like oh wait this could potentially hurt me too or you know this it, you know i could be in a situation where it's not just me you know so it was yeah it was definitely more of the reality of this thing being a weapon that is meant to end lives right. you know and the way asterix treats it like a game he yeah. introduces yeah. Asterix this is our pa lunatic paris drug yeah. dealer by the yeah. way so they actually his name before they made it an asterix and um obelisk reference my boss jerry will really like that because uh, he grew up watching cartoon. that cartoon i've read that reading in, those comics i've read too. that in some uh american releases it was changed to snoopy 
Really? To, yeah, just to be a cartoon dog, I guess. To oh, get so the they would, okay. PowerPoint across. But oh, okay, in the for the movie. Mm. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Because you know Americans don't necessarily know right. obelisk. But asterisks, asterisks introduce <laughs> this this kind of chaotic nature to it. It's yeah. not something that's in Vince's hand that he can make a decision and make this point with. It's this is a game and I could take both of our lives away and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter to me. And it's interesting that Vince, even though he's doesn't understand it, he is taking it seriously. For the first time? Even before that, he's just taking it seriously in his own naive way. Mm-hmm. As this thing that I have that controls the negotiation, the scene. Right. So when Asterix doesn't even doesn't care, it's just oh even Vince knows okay, okay it's not a toy man. I mean right. come on. Yeah. Like Vince would wave it around, oh I'm packing. But but no, it's not a toy. It's real, you know. It sort of takes the facade away for Vince. He realizes that his brand of of you know Bravado. the way he, the way he's been thinking about it is maybe also not great. Right. <laughs> you know, just just as bad as Asterix. It's another extreme toy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to see as Vince is like. Sh- He's presented with these kind of when he's trying to relax, right? Like after his uh, um, the other two are arrested, he goes to a movie. He goes to th- several different theaters to watch mm-hmm. several different films, all of which are insanely violent. Mm-hmm. You hear gunfire, you hear screams. You feel like a chainsaw, chainsaw. horror movie, I guess. It's, yeah. all, it's all this kind of like glamorization, violent. Even like in the quiet moment where he's like, "My friends are gone. I'm by myself. I'm trying to like." Regroup. He's, he's, he's back to his own struggle about. Mm. He wants to to do something. He wants something to happen. He right. wants to have have an effect yeah. on this world around him that has not treated him well thus far. But there's something in him that's going. It's that gotta be right. Jive with it, yeah. It's wait, yeah. right? It doesn't jive with it. Good phrase. There's a great, uh, great scene. The first moment, he really. The first moment the gun really appears in any real weight after its introduction. Revenge is standing there going, oh, hey, look, I have this thing. They're running from the cops after that whole issue with the car and the shooting. Mm-hmm. And there's a cop just with a riot. you got a baton and a you know plastic shield running down some long hallway. And Vince stops, and he pulls out the gun just to stop the cop in his tracks. The fear on that cop's face. It's just a second. It's yeah, like yeah. 1.5 seconds of screen time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, who? And that was the power. That was that was Vince seeing mm-hmm. what he was wielding. But even in that scene, Vince sort of there's something in his face that changes. He's like, once oh, the gun's he, out, this that, is scary, right? And yeah. later on the train, he's bragging to see, man, the guy shit his pants, you know. But right. but in the moment, the bravado is gone, replaced by the weight of the situation. because yeah. he uh, does, he he, he hesitates. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the, it was absolutely. Not a, he wasn't on a hair trigger, he, which he's. Seem to have been on until that film. point. He sees the fear, and it connects with him. Right. The fear that he's felt, right. and uh, Hubert steps in and you know pushes Vince away and sucker punches the cop because yeah. he's a boxer. Yeah. And they run off. They run past where the cop was blocking and go right. off and escape. But, whew. <laughs> yeah, that that struck me even the first time I watched this, which was a few years ago now during my study abroad. Oh, right. I actually did this in a class where we watched films from a number of different European countries, and. Just, I guess because at the time, wasn't too long after I had first shot a gun myself at a target range, and there was such a change 
You know, I would have always told you, of course guns are serious, of course you don't point them at people, you know, they take lives. But when I fired the first shot on a range, everything sort of stopped for a moment. I got through maybe two or three rounds. It was a very lightweight, you know, beginner's sort of rifle on a steel plate 100 yards out. And I I sort of, you know, the little barrel, and it just, just sort of hit me for the first time, really, that that could have been three lives instead of three three thumps into the dirt behind the steel plate that I was missing. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, it's easy. Of course I could have said that before. I could have said, no, of course, if I'm going to shoot this at a target, in theory, each of these bullets could be a person, and we have to be very careful, and of course, of course, but I cannot describe to you. I've been trying ever since. I cannot find the words to describe what it was like after those first shots went, and that reality hit me. Because it's the same words. It's the same words. It's, of course we must be careful, of course these are dangerous, etc., but the words aren't enough. They weren't beforehand, and I only realized it afterwards, and now I don't have a way to describe it to you. It's something that I only felt mm-hmm. afterwards. And this film treats it so well. Part of the way uh, I presume the director told them to handle it, the real real weight, literal weight, it's heavy object in their hands, the way they move around I mean, with it. It's a Smith and Wesson. Um, the way it shines out in the photography, yeah. the, way, the way Hubert talks to Vince talks him through it. The way Vince's whole body language changes depending on what's going on with the gun. It really lent... lent... Uh, I, I don't, again, I don't have a word, but it just... Gravity. The gravitas, sure, thank yeah. you. I used that before. To what a gun really is. Yeah. I don't know if I told you about this. The, the, you guys, the first time I went to a shooting range was very, very recently, maybe two months ago. This was me going with my dad. And... Um, so I'm, I'm up on the line, and it's a, a 9 millimeter Browning. Um, was my uncle's when he was okay. his service pistol. Handgun? Mm-hmm. Yeah, handgun. So, and, and I'm just going to presume that there are uh, some listeners out there who don't know much about firearms. Right. Um, 9 millimeter is a pretty typical pistol cartridge. Yeah. It's in a lot of standard issue. It's Right now it's our standard issue military arm. It's the standard issue cartridge. That is to say bullet for a lot of police weapons. It's just a pretty... Pretty universal pistol bullet. Yeah. You know, we're not talking, and it, it, best, you know, Dirty Harry's bazooka yeah. magnum. I mean, <laughs> so yes, you had your 9mm. It, 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 it looked, it felt like, I mean, it looked like all the toy guns I had growing up. Like, it has the yeah. same, like, it's that design. It's very universal. You recognize it instantly. So I'm up to the line, and I'm I'm loading uh, bullets into it for the first time, into the, the magazine. And I'm hearing the gunfire of the guys next to me mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm shaking I'm trembling it, it's terrifying to me just the idea that there's potential for death all around me mm-hmm. and I'm loading potential death into this cold metallic dead thing about to shoot at a silhouette that looks like a man mm-hmm. and it, 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 it's like you said it's mm-hmm. really it, it was, I didn't even pull the trigger and it's I was just having one that. of those things that hits you in this intangible way. Yeah. Once it's there, it, it's it's just this very serious. The responsibility. Yeah. That you are holding. And it, it, I mean, it, it's responsibility. <laughs> Tony Tim, <laughs> you're spying thank you, there. Thank you very much. <laughs> just a, a huge weight of the potential for carnage, mm-hmm. and snuffing out life, and that it was it, it was cacophonous. In it that way, I mean, it, it, it's it's really this is the way firearms should be treated in a, a narrative. I think 
Mm. The way Lahane does it is very, very respectful to the, mm-hmm. the potential violence that is inherent in it. Yeah. And I was wondering as we were watching it, like if this was set in the U.S., if we're talking about an <laughs> yeah. urban ghetto or urban project in New York during this period, mm-hmm. you could find a gun. <laughs> this is not one yeah. thing. This is not a novel thing. There would be like the American equivalent of this movie. Everybody's got a gun. They had the whole. You know, just speaking of which, I've seen a uh, similar mm-hmm. film. I know it's not terribly similar. So for those of you who know what I'm talking about, sorry. It's a film that was filmed on location in Echo Park by someone who grew up there, which is uh, was I don't know if still is uh, just a proper poor gangland neighborhood in mm-hmm. Los Angeles. And it's these, I want to say it's the younger high school kids, mm-hmm. and they're peripheral to all the proper gameland stuff, but it's going on. There's a scene at one point, one of them's going to, wants to do something for someone else, and someone asks, you know, who's got so-and-so's pistol? Because the guy who, I guess, owns it is in jail, and someone pulls it out from somewhere and just passes it over yeah. across the crowd, and yeah, I mean, you're going to go do this. Um, but... For the rest of the film, there weren't really any guns present. Right. I guess there's a, a point at which they become commonplace. The implication there, and, and of course that one's a uh, another. That's another film, so I'm not saying right. it's accurate to real life, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. No. But just that t- such a thing has happened. Right. Uh, there, there are American films out there right. similarly. I'm just thinking of like um, the the arsenal scenes that we see in popular mm-hmm. American culture movies. Oh, yeah. Is that it's uh, okay? We're gonna go do a job. We're going to go to the guy who's got all the guns, mm-hmm. and we're going to get as many of them. We need guns. Right. Yeah, lots, lots of, of guns. guns. Yeah. Um, I, that was the, the point you. that started this, was that Lahane <laughs> treats these weapons much more responsibly and realistically than most other films do. Um, and, I mean, I, you know, we, could, we could go on to the broader question about how much film influences real life and the responsibility of film to... You know, popular culture in general, and etc. But just to to just contrast it to La Matrix or James Bond or anything else, guns are a means to an end for those films, mm-hmm. as a means to be cool or a means to accomplish combat in a modern way. Or I mean, even Godzilla, right? They 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 fall short of stopping the thing, right? But. Mm-hmm. They're a tool for humanity's defense there. Yeah. Right. But there are just there are so many other things they can be. Well, I feel like those films also, the people wielding them, th- there's a there's an idea of, of training. Like in The Matrix, mm. even though they don't have time, it's like, oh, well, you've been downloaded yep. how to handle ah. all these guns. And Bond, James Bond, of and course, John knows how, you know. These bold professionals. Right, uh-huh. or like Godzilla, it's it's the military. You know, yeah, you don't yeah. have people out in the streets just, you know, pulling out guns and, you know, shooting at whatever. The novice nature of it is very interesting. That, yeah. That's another really thing. Sharp contrast to Red Dawn, <laughs> if you will, mm. of... Uh, the kids taking to the hills with their parents hunting rifles and fighting mm-hmm. the Soviet army. Right. <laughs> but in that, there's a certain amount like they've they've hunted before. Right? Mm-hmm. They, they've been sure. taught how yeah. to handle that equipment. There's a lot about Hubert in the film that belies his experience. In in all matters, he had his own business, I guess, the gym he owned. 
Yeah. I don't know if it would would have been a bit of a type of gym it was supposed to be, but he had his own thing. Yeah, the other thing they yeah. talked they they talked about it almost like a community center. It's yeah, like, like it was yeah, a place the gym. to yeah, yeah for kids. What about to that happened to the gym? You know? you know. Yeah. And he reacts much more calmly to things and everything. And so let's, even though he, for all we know, hasn't had any firsthand experience with guns, he knows how to handle that sort of thing mm-hmm. much better than Vince or Saeed. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I haven't figured that out already. A very serious movie. <laughs> also deals a lot with as as reluctant as I am to touch on I guess on the issues the film brings up in the podcast, if you will. <laughs> um uh I want to, can I, I can move on a race for a moment. Uh I don't remember what it was you said, Tim, but something about you know, oh the uh, it was that we saw a character in the film portrayed in a way that again in the u.s it would have been a black character almost certainly you know it would have been your standard black you know compton game banner sort of thing Mm -hmm. but it was the same population of people if you will that same you know living in the ghetto set of people but not all of them were black Mm -hmm. and the character in the scene that was not black i don't remember if they were very clearly middle eastern or if they were just not anything whatever and you said to me something on the lines of, of that reminding you of that sort of thing. Um, and it just it, mm-hmm. the point being that these are the same issues that we face, but in the U.S. they're a, a lot more racial, and we certainly see racism in Mahane yeah, and prejudice, sure. uh, especially during the interrogation scene right. later on. But then again, the entire time we have Vince, who's a Jew, yeah. with them. And he's just lumped in. He and even talks about it like he's he, he claims to be Arab at one point. <laughs> J- jokingly, Society. sir. But he, yes. Just, but like he, he's like solidarity. identified mm-hmm. with this. It's also interesting to have a film shot in black and white where the ethnicity of each character is not sure except for Hubert. Right? You know what I'm mm. saying? It's like the, the lines between Arab and white or were a little harder to see. Yeah. Especially in the groups or crowd scenes when you don't get good looks right. at people, you know? For sure. I just, that, was, that was fascinating to me at the time. Three white guys talking about race. <laughs> right. How could this go wrong? But fascinating <laughs> to me at the time that, like I said, it was a lot of the same issues that we have, but they're completely different just because, you know, they're, they're much... I guess I'll say much less racial there, or there's much more variety, if you will. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to put it, and I, I almost I don't certainly think there is a right don't have an intelligent way to do it, or you know. But we are trying, listeners. Right. But yeah. but again, much like the the reversal, the mirror image of the urban rich center yeah. to the poor outskirts, mm-hmm. opposite of the United States. That that just again, it was like it's so much the same, but so different. And it was interesting to see, even with the the, the cops in each environment, mm-hmm. the way the the initial treatment between the two is in in Paris. It was a lot politer, right? Mm-hmm. Like in cleaner. But was then they different? take them back and they um, sexually abuse them, and like, well, I mean, like that's implied. Like there, there's mm-hmm. this this psychological torment to how they treat each other mm-hmm. there rather than physical violence that we see more prevalent in the uh, project setting. There's a, a different, just that cops serve different purposes in different places. Yeah. You know, because in, out in the projects where it's post-riot, it's all 
there's still riot gear hanging on the walls, right. ready to be picked up at a moment's notice. There are a lot of plainclothes officers present with the uniformed officers. There are a lot of trucks. There are some dogs. They're very eager to get hands-on. They're very com- authoritative. There's that one plainclothes officer who's used to sort of be the community guy. He talks about, I used to be able to talk to the kids around here. Right. Now even the ones who grew up with me, they won't speak to me. Right. Um, but then in Paris, they have to ask a cop for directions. He's got the, the like the fancy belt and the nice cap, and you know he's very much the the neighborhood fancy uniform right. beat cop. If he was British, he'd be the Bobby on the corner. Like, sure. Yeah. 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 And 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 the oh yes, you know of course the uh, you know down there and around the corner. Oh oh yeah, thank you. And as they're walking, as Said is walking off, the, you know have a wonderful day, sir. Because that's just what he said. It's just the purpose. And as they walk off, you know this wow, how polite the pigs are around here. He even <laughs> called me sir. Because it's a different world, yeah. which is again is something we see here. Just the different, the difference in policing in different places, different communities. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I was really impressed with is how they really tried to hit every sort of demographic. You know, you have every the really day. nice, <laughs> like you know, uniformed policemen. You know, you have you know the cops who are just kind of like, okay, there's this beatdown happening. You have, you know, you know, we're just everybody's fighting everybody, and you kind of almost can't tell who's Too in the sweet. right, and who's in the wrong. Then you have the plain clothesman who, yeah, like you said, he's kind of, you know, the trying to be the friend, officer guy, right? you know, kind of be the go-between, you know, the voice of reason between both yeah. sides. That conversation that. between him and Saeed is so familiar. Mm-hmm. There's this whole, oh, how's your brother? You know, yeah, yeah, they known each other for years, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, and then you know, right after we see the the really polite uniformed police officer. Once they come out, that's when they get sort of they have you know back to the plainclothes police, and even though they're in Paris at that point, they still get grabbed coming out of a building, and like yes. taken to the police station. I want to point out you know, that the the cops we see in the projects, even the distrustful ones who give them the glares, the ones who sort of give shoves, um, and there's that moment where the right police come out and they have to flee. There's a lot of just tension and uncertainty, but restraint. But too. restraint. There's the whole scene mm-hmm. in the hospital. Where they do take say, take quote take Saeed in literally by just like pulling him by the shoulder and tugging him over to the other side of the hallway, mm-hmm. and just walking him off, yeah. and then he gets the the community cop guy shows up and gets they out. give Saeed to him, yeah. they walk out. That's it. Right. In Paris, we see both the 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 Bobby, if you will. A lot of French people are very mad at us for applying a British term. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, um, and then we also see the the horrible. The torturers almost these three plainclothes cops who show up the two guys who are teaching this newbie this yeah. rookie Very and the two day. the two yeah the two trained expert guys are explaining to him things about you have to know when to back off you have to know when to put the pressure you see if you grab him right here and then pull up here and you know Hubert goes you know puts the pressure on the neck here and and, right. and that's we see both sort of the uh, best if you will in the cop who gives them the directions and definitely the worst in the city yeah in Paris um, well I also like how that kind of blurs our impression of the cops who are in the ghetto too because you see a lot of violence between them and the people but then you almost sympathize because it's like they're they're terrified like they're you know they're this, facing this mob and this they're kind of doing it for survival undercurrent of yeah. 
huge forces at work yeah. that are beyond the individual. Yeah. Where these guys are like methodical and almost like getting off on this. There's a lot thing, more agency. Know, and, yeah, and they're for they're completely present. safe. They're in a, a police room with these two guys handcuffed to a chair, yep. you know, mm-hmm. and they're in total control of the situation and they're just being like the biggest yeah. dicks about it. The most know? violence we see in the projects is after uh, there's the kid in the hospital who's dying. His brother, singular, and uh, maybe family friends, roll up in a car and try to kill the, the community cop guy. Yeah. Shotgun barrel comes out and boom, and they, they miss and a window shatters and another, another shot just goes wide completely. And people cut run over. The community cop pulls out his pistol and doesn't shoot it. Nope. His arm is bleeding, yep. running down his jacket and telling them, please stay where you are. And more cops are running up. And they start pulling them out of the car, and one guy gives a pretty vicious kick to someone in the back seat. You can sort of see the motion. It's, you know, and they're pulling them out. That's when the dudes show up with the shields, and everyone has to scatter. Because yeah, the other group shot. rolls up, and the other and the cops roll up, and the people roll up, and there's a lot of shoving and a lot of shouting, and they're trying to get the cops off the guys. The other cops are getting to pull them out of the car. That's when things start to escalate. Yeah. And it escalates when the riot police show up with batons, and then everybody runs. Right. The only shots that are fired are from the, the, the would-be assassins. Yeah. And that was the um, thing, like, when that scene was happening, my thought was, oh, they're going to get shot, they're just going to, mm-hmm. like, it's going to be automatic. Whereas you're, you're right, Tim, that in Paris is the only time we see really either side, I think, in the whole film act without provocation. Because it's one of those, you know, everyone is hurting here, no one knows who fired the first shot, right. but everyone is guilty. The guys are on the rooftop barbecue, shouting insults to the mayor, to the cops, and they're really hated... And the cops come up and try to clear them off the roof, but you know all they do is they say, "Get out of here, get down." Right. And the guys up there go, "Now nah, up yours," you know, you, you guys kill people. But that's everyone shouts, and shouts and shouts and maybe a couple of shoves, and then everyone walks away. Mm-hmm. You know, the real, the real malice comes from those torturers in the city. Right. Right after we saw sort of this ideal police officer, super mm-hmm. polite, super helpful, there to the protect and serve, yeah. you know. And then it's like, oh, cool, like you get this we glimmer. We see a lot of other know, prejudice yeah. in the city based mm-hmm. on the way the boys are dressed or the way they act or walk. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of these guys are hooligans at one point. They say get the, the malice of the ghetto. Malice, I'm sorry, malaise, yeah. disease of the ghetto. Mm-hmm. But that cop doesn't blink. Yeah, just no helps more. them with where they're going. Yeah. <laughs> but then the others show up and tug off two of our characters and yeah. do awful things to them. One thing I wondered about that scene, too, like, if it was sort of intentional, and, and now it wasn't, you know, I was almost wondering when um, uh, Vince shows up, mm-hmm. you know, because he's white, I was like, oh, are they going to kind of talk to him all polite and let him go? Yeah. And they do end up kind of, you know, pursuing he, he him. He runs off. And he but... runs off, and he escapes, mm-hmm. you know, so it was uh, like, yeah, okay, really, yeah. yeah, so it was yeah. kind of neat that they, you know, to see that they didn't treat him differently, yet he did get away, and you got to see the contrast of... He's off watching movies all day while his two friends, you know, are, are getting mm-hmm. tortured in the police station. Yeah. You know, Which so you would st- be, you know. if it were American, would be much easier to just straight up ascribe to race. Mm-hmm. To just say, well, he's the only white one. So, they, But in this film, again, the way we see such variety mm-hmm. in our, our project's population. And I don't know enough about Francis' social situation. So yeah. maybe there's something I'm completely missing here. But, you know, yeah. was it because he looked Jewish to them? Was it because he happened to be the right age and dressed the right way and standing mm-hmm. with those same guys? Yeah. And like you said, they chased him. 
Yeah. He just outran the guy. Yeah. And I mean, they did seem to, to talk to him a little more than the other two. Yeah. Like, the other two were, like, immediately Was that based on thrown. his timing? Coming yeah. out after um, the other two? Right. Who knows, you know? And that... Yeah. I, I'm sure there's... I don't know if anybody who is French listens to our podcast, but if there is, he's probably sitting there going, God, these guys know nothing about France. And I mean, that's the thing. We don't. Yeah. For all we know, these would have... Social social cues would have been obvious to us had we grown up there the way they would be obvious to us in an American film. Uh, so for all... You know, who knows what we're missing? Mm-hmm. But yeah. speaking as Americans, yeah. again, just, just again, which we said before, it's just very neat to see these same... the same problems, the same behaviors, mm-hmm. but applied to different people. And in different ways. Yeah. You know, similarities and differences. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about that ending? Yeah. It, it might be a little premature. Okay. But no, like, that's, I, that's great. Let's do it. Um, if it, we're talking about... It naturally flows off of the behavior of the different cops, yeah. I think. Because we have one more cop who behaved differently than some others, who we have to mention that it is the one at the end. Right. Uh, should because we walk we, through the we, end? We actually probably should talk about the, the, the sequence leading up where Vince changes... Yes. His idea of... Oh, right, yeah. So, they run into a group of skinheads that Ooh, they yes. had accosted uh, from the top from of the a, building. From the top of a roof, they, yeah. He yelled, uh, La Pen, big, big French skinhead idol. Yeah. Is that name, La Pen? And yeah. I think... I, I'm, you know what, I'm going to Google because like I don't want to disparage. Um, but anyway, they shout, you know, verbal abuse down at the, um, the skinheads yeah. about their parallel beliefs and up yours and yada 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 so they come down and end up running into these guys around a corner and this is at the point where Vince is broken off again like for the sixth time he's like yeah. fuck you guys I'm gonna go do my own thing <clears throat> so it's uh, Hubert and um, why can't I keep I keep forgetting his name Hubert, Saeed and Vince Saeed so they walk around the corner and get a, they're gonna get beat to shit by these guys they got a baseball bat it's like there's like five or six of them oh Yes, sorry, Le Pen, yeah. Le, Pen, Le Pen, head of the National Front. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I was. So I'm well, glad I googled that, but I, in that case, I did remember well. Yeah. One but, of the things I want to throw in too, just you know, and sort of my take on this too was that the yeah the reason they split off and and you know you kind of mentioned it was where they're kind of like you know them kind of fighting arguments again. Yeah. It yes. was, and, and it's it seemed to be About this the gun. this the, yeah this climax and, and I remember through the whole thing. Like Ooh, I keep was... going back and forth, going, so you know, <laughs> well, just like I, I don't know if I like these guys or not. Like right. half the time they're asshole, you know, and it's just like, yeah, you're like Vince is kind of that that guy where you're just like, ah, oh, like you would be cool, but like there's this thing that's brewing in you, and you know, it's like, and then it's one of those things where you're like, well, if if you're just gonna go kill a cop because your friend died, you know, is it one of those things where you were always an asshole, but you just never had the means to do anything about it, right. and it's not that you became an asshole because of the gun, and and that was yeah, that was this big turning point where at that point I remember just being like, fuck that guy, like good, get rid of him, he's a right. he's a, you know he's just gonna get you guys into trouble, like get it's good that you yeah. broke off from him, right. mm-hmm. and then that's the moment with the two of them around the corner. So what, they're they're, <laughs> they're hanging out in a train station, right? Because they missed the train. They missed they're the stuck train. In Paris. It's the whole thing. And there's there's watching one of those news feeds that's right. going on in a public space, and it tells them that their friend has died, the one in the hospital, the right. one that Vince vowed to kill a cop for if he died. And died. then the screen kind of goes to black, and Vince disappears. Yeah. And, and he's that's up the, the scene escalator. Where Vince is up on the street. Yep. Staring at these two cops. And he's pointing his hand. We don't see if he has a gun or what mm-hmm. the deal yeah. is. 
and we see him shoot and these two well, cops. Also, the they they're, they're also the meter maids. They're writing right. tickets for yeah. a parked car. Yep. They're not even like, you know, oh, here's, here are more they're cops who are messing with people. They're not militarized riot cops yeah. we've seen in the projects lined up on street corners. Right. You know, it's two guys going, oh, this guy, you know, the meter ran out, got to write him a ticket. Right. And, like, that's who he's focusing his aggression on. And they know? come along and he, he didn't do it. Yeah, it's but this that, fantasy That's what sequence. sparks the argument, this yeah. big argument. When they finally split off, Hubert and Saeed go off one direction, and Vince is left standing in the park, impotently shouting at nothing. Yeah. Except that one guy from the window who shouted <laughs> at him. Um, that, I, I love those guys in the movies. It's like the hey <laughs> asshole guy. Yeah. It's like, there was a lot of great back and forth in this film. Yeah. This was one moment. Vince shouts at his friends as they walk up, I know who I am and where I came from. Someone, some myth person <laughs> trying to sleep in Paris yells, then go back there and shut up! <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, Saeed and, and Hubert end up around the corner and they run into the skinheads. Yeah. And the same skinheads they were accosting from the rooftop. Yeah, and it, it looks like they're going to get it handed to them. They're already starting to bunch up. Yeah, and they, then, they have a bat of some kind, a club, yeah. you know? So yeah. And then by, Vince... By, gets to be this rescuer. Hero. He shows up and he, he has the gun out and it scares and the shit out of him. puts it to the head of one of the, of the skinheads. Who happens to be... Uh, who is played by our director. By which way. is really... It's a great I, little cameo. That was really cameo. Cool. Um, he puts it to the head of that one skinhead who you know drops his club and I mean of course he has a gun to his head he freaks right. out. The others yeah. just run off. Yeah. Just abandon their friend yep. immediately. <laughs> and then they end up taking um, this guy. They drag him down another alley yeah. toss him in next to a dumpster and some trash. Uh, Saeed, understandably very mad, kicks him in the face a couple times. Right. And uh, that's it. He's done. He that's moves it. away. Yeah. So right. he's, he's lying in this trash. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Vince says... Blood all over his face. Right. Mm-hmm. And Vince says, you think I'm fucking around. You think I'm joking. You, you think, think I'm I won't... Talk. Right. right. You think I won't do this. And he's got the gun out. And he's got it pointed at him. And we see this shift. And, uh, Saeed and sort of steps out of the well, yeah. scene. Yeah. Yeah. So please, then we see this But then we see Hubert, Hubert switch. His hands and he, go behind his back. And he steps in. Yeah, he's right, right behind Real him. close, chest to chest. And he chest. says the only... Right over Vince's shoulder. He says there, there's a distinction between good cops and bad cops, but the only good skinhead is a dead one. He's, he's right of, behind him. He's almost sort of egging Vince on. Yeah. But well, there's he something the about it. He reaches up. Here, here, I'll help you. I'll help yeah. you. He reaches up, and Vince almost flinches away from Hubert. He reaches, and he pulls the hammer back, and, you know, here, come on, come on, do it. Because Hubert, I think, had this faith in Vince that Vince wouldn't do. He just needed to see, you right. know, for himself. And this is the moment. Hubert recognizes it. So he steps in there and he twists the screw. He realizes that Vince has been uncomfortable about this the whole time and he just twists. Come on, come on, you know, do it. Shoot him. Does it loudly, even. And we get some shots of the skinhead's face covered in blood, you know, uh, crying, really, you know, yeah, begging, begging for his life. Please, I'm sorry, I'll... The guy who was about to beat the shit out of Saeed and Hubert, I remember, a moment ago. And, uh... Vince Vince can't can't do it. it. He can't do it. He walks away and he Ah, tries not to throw up. And he he tries not to throw up and he just puts his face in his hands. And And we see... (sighs) Hubert switches right back. He says, get out of here. You, get the fuck out of here. All that rage, all that racially motivated, like... Fuck this skinhead! I want him to die. Yeah. Goes right away because it wasn't. It was, it was all an act. It was all for Vince. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that was oh really God, cool, like really well done. And it's again, you see the maturity of that character. Mm-hmm. He knew the, the understanding that he has, yeah. the perspective, the yeah. depth. If you, if anyone ever, you know, talks to you about 
if they're getting sick of popcorn action flicks, you know, show them this. This is a slightly artistic but not super pretentious film. I it's think very it serious subject from it matter yeah. acted flawlessly by everyone involved. That, the, yeah, the cinematography and light, every inch of this is you know hardcore film school, if you will, but just also just a really good movie. Yeah, really, you know, very moves very well, very watchable. Right. So, so yeah. Anyway, so, post that. So they finally get on their tra- next scene is them on their train because they've wild away enough time. Night is over. The trains are running again. Next scene is them on the train, all sitting in different seats. Yeah. And uh, they get back to their little, their project town, town. I don't know project. Their project, their region. Yeah. And uh, they're about to go their different ways. Vince and Saeed walk off to whatever Hubert, presumably home, whatever. And Vince stops and goes back to Hubert and says, "Hey," and he gives him the gun. He gives it to him. Hubert doesn't have to take it from him, which some audience members might have been thinking, oh, come on, just take it. He can't be trusted. Right. Just, just get the thing from him. Take it out of his hands. There's no words but spoken. But again, Hubert understood. You can't take it from him. He has to see for himself. He did. He gives Hubert the gun. And there's this beautiful reconnection of them. Because that's... They were arguing. Escalated arguments up until they finally pulled off and then the scene with the skinhead. And then dead silence on the train ride. And then now, finally, this moment of full reconciliation. It's funny, as they're walking away, uh, um, Saeed. Saeed's telling the joke about um, the, nun, the, nun. The, the Batman. Yeah. <laughs> so he's telling this joke, and then Tim calls it. He knows the joke. It's like, it's I knew the punchline. That was the <laughs> thing. Is like I always knew that joke, and I couldn't remember how it started. But, Scott, can you yeah. do the joke? Sure. Um, You're our, uh, if uh, I recall, one-liner king. Okay, so... Uh, uh, was th- a nun walks out of a bar. A nun walks out of somewhere. Or, a nun no, walks out, out of a bar, bar and finds yeah. a nun. Long black cloak, you know, the nun cloak. And, uh, and he oh just, God, you know, I don't know if like, I remember the joke. Yeah, even. so so he just like you know, he sees the nun and it yeah. says, yeah, the drunk guy comes out of the bar and he like punches the nun in the face and just like beats her mercilessly ah. to the ground. And then after you know he's done beer, he's like, not so tough, are you now, Batman? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Tim Gall, he looks up. Is this the Batman joke? <laughs> Stop. Watch the movie. I and love then, how yeah. we ruined the joke. In telling the the pre- we did what right. you did yeah. to the list, but um, but <laughs> and, and Vince of says to Saeed what he said to Hubert earlier when Hubert told him the story. I heard it with a rabbi. Yeah, <laughs> it seems to be Vince's reaction to like every joke in this movie, every story um, of just any to, importance. to remind everyone that he's Jewish. <laughs> but know? it's like, a return to their easy banter from before. Right. Yeah, because yeah. the last time we heard that line, they're all on a rooftop right. yeah. smoking a joint, mm-hmm. just sort of you know killing time. So it's a return to this easygoing yeah. normalization. Yes, a normalization. And as Saeed and Vince are walking off, a car pulls up, and some cops get out, plainclothes cops. One of which we've seen at least twice before. The guy in the Notre Dame jacket. He's on the rooftop grill, barbecue, and he's kicking everybody off the roof. He's sort of. The, there are a couple moments when the camera, as it swings past the group of cops, he's the one whose face gets focused on. Mm-hmm. Which again, I only noticed upon repeat viewing. Right. And they're focusing on him because they want you to remember that he's a cop when he shows up later. In the scene with the, the assassination, when they're dragging people out of the car, some of the cops have guns out. He's one. He has his gun out. And as the camera swings around again, it narrows in on his pistol whoosh, and comes back out to the wide shot. Um, he's literally Chekhov's gun. Yeah. yeah. So, the, so these four, these cops pull up in their car and they're, you know, they put, they put Vins and say, put your hands on the roof of the car and they're doing the, and this guy's got his gun out. He's standing right behind Vince, and he's got the gun in his face. Not so tough now with your, you know, you know your friends and your little gang, and etc., etc. And Hubert is watching, and as that's happening, 
the gun goes off. All this discussion we talked about about the movie treating guns with the seriousness they deserve. And, the and this cop is not. Yeah. He's just waving it around and it goes off. And it, boom, it kills Vince right there. I would love to point out right now sound design. The sound of this film is beautifully well balanced. Loud fins are loud, soft fins are soft. I didn't mm-hmm. have trouble. It's well mixed, didn't have trouble hearing anything. Mm-hmm. But the gunshots are about 80 times louder than everything else on the two or three occasions they happen mm-hmm. by design. Yeah. And this one especially. And boom, and he just falls like a puppet with its strings cut. And the cop's face. Holy shit. Again, phenomenally acted by everyone. This guy has basically a, a nothing part until that scene. And Hubert got close. He's yeah, right Hubert's behind been walked him. up now. And the cop just... Oh my god, the look of shock on his face. I, I want to equate it to a child who has accidentally killed a small animal, almost. Of, oh my god. What is this? Death. Man? This is death. Yeah. I just went... First hand, this is what it feels. Holy shit, you know, mind blown. You can tell it just, everything just turns off. He can't comprehend what just happened. And, uh, Hubert can. And so he walks up to the cop and levels the revolver at his face. And the cop, that, that brings the cop back to reality, too. Oh, gun in my face. I mean, he brings his gun up and points it at Hubert. And, uh, we get the two of them on either side of the screen our last shot Saeed in the middle on the opposite side of the car hands on the roof of the car still and it, Camera the zooms shot in. begins to tighten in as it does we see Hubert cock. cock the revolver pull a hammer back we see the cop begin to do the same with his hammer and it zooms in towards Saeed and repeats Hubert's voice which opened the film the tale he told during the middle and the, his, his voice again now I think it's Hubert's voice right? Yeah, yeah. the voice over here about the man falling off, who fell from the skyscraper and as he falls says to himself, so far so good, so far so good. And so he closes his eyes, and then gunshot, and credits. That's it. After everything else that happened, all the tension, all the buildup, and Vince surrenders his gun. Finally. It's this cop, who was barely present in the rest of the film. This sudden reminder, this intrusion that, even though we're watching a movie, a well-orchestrated and choreographed movie, the movie is essentially taking place in real life, and mm-hmm. other shit is going on. Right, and the there is world chaos is still happening. Yeah, they don't care about our protagonists like we do. Right, it's just such a sublime subversion of the tension that built up all the film. Yeah, it it just it, it it's devastating, and I, I say devastating so much on this podcast, mm. but it truly was. It's just like this really hopeless. Fluke. One of my favorite endings in any film ever. That's totally I think one of the most best mm-hmm. endings, best executed. I totally agree. Just, I, I've thought long and hard about that ending. It stuck with me. You know, keep coming back to it. Uh, there have been plenty of great endings in film. Some great just from an objective storytelling perspective, and some great from a personal satisfaction perspective. I'm sure you all have your own lists. But this one is unique. And despite the, uh, what's the word I want here? I, despite how uncomfortable it is, there's something about it that feels, I don't want to say right, but true. Yeah. I was going to say, I had no problem suspending my disbelief this whole thing. Yeah. That nothing took me out of this. It, right. it all felt grounded in reality 
Right. I the films that we see Vince watching when he's wandering through the theaters. For all I know, they could have just found a bunch of random late night movie theaters, stuck mm-hmm. them in there, filmed you know thirty seconds and left. Yep. Maybe they did. I don't know. Or maybe they orchestrated it all because everything else about the film is so so controlled and pitched in the way it's meant to be. You know, who knows? But I, yeah, who knows? Suspension of disbelief is don't have to do much of it. I was. I, I had some notes. Yeah, please. Um, mm-hmm. We we got to talk about the uh, bathroom scene. Yes, that might be my favorite scene in the film. <laughs> so the, the the blocking and the effect that the mirrors Ooh. have on perspective and yes. the size of the room and also drawing the dividing lines between Umberto or I keep saying um, Hubert Hubert Hubert, but pronounced French as Hubert, I yeah. suppose. Hubert. Vincent, and Vince. Sorting to Vince and, uh, and Saeed, yes. Yeah. So three, our three protagonists. Yeah, so the, the way that the mirrors interact and break up that scene and show the different, the dividing lines between those characters and Saeed in the middle mm-hmm. was Which really is also, interesting. Saeed in the middle was an inversion itself, because at the beginning... He's the child. Hubert's the adult. Vin's the one type in the middle, right. fighting between his baser child urges and his adult responsibility. And after he starts arguing with Hubert, Said is the one who's caught in the middle. Mm-hmm. Sort of like the child caught in the middle of the angry parents, I guess, yeah. if you want to say that. But yeah, he's Please. standing at this public phone in the middle of this public restroom. Mm. And Vince and Hubert are on opposite ends of our shot, yeah. not looking at each other. And it's really interesting because we see the, pers- the the skewed perspective as a result of the mirrors mm. from two different camera angles and both create this kind of fuzzy dividing lines. And the, 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 the one shot we've seen the most of, you can even see there's another mirror in uh, um, mm-hmm. Vince's portion. So you see the side of his face reflected back. It's just, mm-hmm. it's a really interesting camera work thing to see. Yeah, yeah, that the camera work is all phenomenal. And interestingly, this scene is, you know, one of their, it sort of delays their arguments because they're arguing, still having their spat, you know. They go back to bickering about all sorts of things. The one guy's looking for the address, and what about your money? And fuck your mom, and you know, the whole spiel. Yeah. And in the middle of all, a toilet flushes. Oh, bathroom there's someone else in up. here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this really short old man comes out and just starts talking to them. For, because reasons. The question is not, do we believe in God? The question is, does God believe in us? I was deported from Siberian work camp. And when you... And he just goes. He tells a story. And I love I love the expression on Vincent Hubert's face. I have this sort of smile. It's almost indulgent, joyful smile as the elderly man imparts his story. That has it's a lot comforting. of shit in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot of bad shit happening, too. I mean, literal shit. Yes, yeah, also a lot literal of shit. That too. And then at the end, you know. Triple um, entendre. He tells a story about the one guy, uh, I can't recall the name. That sounds but correct. The, the name of the guy in the story, poking at his pants, hanging on the street. And at the end, and then he sort of stops. And at the end, so Saeed says, So what happened? Nothing. He froze, he froze to, death. to death. And then he leaves. And that's it. <laughs> And it's, it's such an anticlimax of sorts and such a weird, is the guy crazy? Why does he just suddenly interject in the middle? He just, everything stops. Everything in the world stops for this old man mm-hmm. to tell his inane story. And then they go back. But that story 
And then at the end of the scene, some other guy flushes his toilet and sticks his head out of the stall, sort of like an oh my god. <laughs> he was listening to them talk and then get interrupted and then listening yeah. to that conversation the whole time. And that scene is the only scene. Well, no, it's I guess it's one of two, arguably three, I would say two, scenes that add a broader global perspective to what's going on in France. Because that guy talks about travel being deported in a cattle car to a Siberian work camp. Right. So if he wasn't if he wasn't I, I don't know, I I mean I guess that wouldn't be Holocaust because Siberia. Right. So Russia, but it could have been Jewish. Right. The point is, whatever was going on in there, being deported to a Siberian work camp in a cattle car is so completely astronomically on another level. Right. From what's it's, happening it's to them, from the riots, sure. from the beatings, even from the friend dying in the hospital. He's from also in it. Paris. Yeah, that conversation takes place in, in the Paris. City. Right. That this this man who went through all that is now here in the the favored district. Right. Sorts. Um, the other scene I would say is when they're watching the news. Literally, the shot before they're told about their friend dying is the civil war in. Um, oh God, I've forgotten now. The, Part of the world that was in horrible civil war in 1995. Bosnia? What? Maybe it was Bosnia. Anyway, and, and there's scenes of someone on his knees and a soldier holding a rifle up to the back of his head and a destroyed city block behind them, you know. Yeah. And let it shows their friend in the hospital is dead. Ooh! <laughs> yeah. Again! What a different level of tragedy, you know, the scope. Mm-hmm. But again, though, it, it, they care about their friend because he was their friend. They knew him because it was their world they lived in. Right. That affected their world, not other people in other times and places. I was also wanting to talk <laughs> about. Sorry, I'm, this might be totally switching gears, but What's that? the 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 most kind of clear and interesting stylistic shots, or at least two of them that stuck out to me, were. The, the DJ who was broadcast, like, yes. had his speaker out his the window in the, in the projects. into this kind of, like, central quad-ish concrete jungle section of the, the, the project. And the, the detail and the choreography of those shots and the music and how all of those things, it, it just kind of, like, sharpened mm. in a way because there's all this grime and this degradation and this violence and all this stuff that kind of permeates the film and then you get that sequence and then the breakdancing sequence that are these crisp almost like this is what's going on here this is what life is like (laughs) it it just it kind of bends and subverts the grime that we've seen before Mm -hmm. into these really kind of not kind of just beautiful snapshots of the life going on while the rest of this is Mm -hmm. happening because the world is still happening around them which we see during the assassination even because they're all worried about their friend. It's family. The brother shows up with a shotgun, <laughs> right? You know, the the scene where Said is retrieved from the police station in the projects by the community cop. Mm-hmm. There's that shot sideways on the hallway into the office. And the cop's sort of staring at them. And people are picking up the knocked over filing cabinets, rehanging this things that giant. were knocked down. There's the graffiti across the yep. wall. Because we really we very much arrive at a world in progress although momentarily stopped by taking a breath after this big event. Mm-hmm. I, I just thought with, with the DJ and the breakdancing, it mm. just kind of 
everything else fell away. It's like this is the potential. This is the talent. This is this is. There are people and culture and passion here, right. like anywhere else, and they're living. They're going about it the way life happens wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was interesting too, like that. Both of those two things, and then when the three guys go into the art gallery. Yeah, the um, art uh, in Paris, they find a very late open art gallery, fancy hors d'oeuvres and such, and they, they basically crash it. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it kind of, t- to me, that sort of reminded me a lot of the, the, the struggle I've been facing as of late, you know, um, trying to do art in, in the world such as it is. And, you know, I know there's, there's this, uh, Leonard, I think it's Leonard Bernstein quote, where it's you know talk about like in the face of violence we are gonna you know produce art more more aggressively and more you know basically like to kind of you know show violence that you know you can't kind of overpower us but then you know the and it's this sort of nice ideal but then there's a part of me that's just like you know like do, do, do the people who are like actually the ones who are dying like do they do they give a fuck about art you know and and at first when I saw them in the museum and they were kind of being dicks and everything I was just like what the hell like why but then it's like you know what, like, these are people who are, you know, facing riots, like, every day, and mm-hmm. people being beaten up, and, you know... And At that point, so they've it, already you know, been tortured by the cops. Right, you know, you so know, it's just, Reed like... Reed has what, that mark on his face. Yeah, like, what, what fuck do they give about art? You know, and to yeah. have this room full of people drinking champagne, looking yeah. at a bunch of crap on the wall. And when they're know. asked to leave, you know, they don't care. They knock something over, and they break a glass, yeah. and, you know, basically give everyone the finger and walk out. Yeah. Right. And it's such a... Uh, but setting is a so anesthetic. Well, that no, that's for sure. I, I just such a. I don't, I don't want to say uncomfortable again, but just it, you know, it just shatters the whole social setting. Yeah. The whole rules going on in this situation. Yeah. Because they don't care. Because you're right. Yeah, and how could they? Yeah, like you're what right. you know, and, and why Their should concerns they? Concerns are you know? more, more immediate, yeah. more temporary, more yeah. within the next few hours. Yeah. Like, they, they want to survive on a day-to-day basis, you know. And, and that gallery is such an antiseptic setting. Oh. Yeah. It's brilliantly, blindingly white. It's mm-hmm. clean. It's proper. It's all of the... It's a complete... Like, you, it's dissonance. That's another beautiful use of the black and white, which is used to phenomenal effect. For sure. Not just as a gimmick, but in the art gallery, the white is blinding. But you know, mm-hmm. if it was in color, the walls would still be blindingly white because right. it's an art gallery. But... The whole rest of the gallery would be, for all we know, all sorts of colors. Right. But it's, it's not. So instead, there's just the blind and white. And I was also, like, you know, looking at the <clears throat> the art that was in the gallery, too. I remember as they're, they're looking at one thing on the wall, but as they're staring at it, like, you're looking at their faces, and the, the, the thing on the wall behind, it was like someone took a bunch of plastic water bottles, and they were, like, put onto this canvas. <laughs> And it's like, I feel like I've seen art like that before. Where, oh, this is a statement about, you know, plastic and, you know, what we're doing to the environment. And, and it's like, and, and, and sure, like, <clears throat> number one, like, that is a real issue. I'm not trying to downplay that issue. But the, the artist who's sort of slapping a few water bottles, and I, I, I almost feel like I'm kind of doing my own people a disservice. But, you know, the person who's slapping a bunch of water bottles onto the wall isn't helping anything. You know, and, and again, these people, even though the, the environment is, is a big issue, but these are people, again, they're just like, I, I just want to survive the fucking day. Right. You yeah. know, so, so they don't give a shit about that. They don't Your give a shit about this rich help, person, yeah. you know, like. I love that you, you automatically know. ascribed environmental issues to the water bottle. 
installation. Well, yeah. Well, like I, I said, mean, it's just because easy, if it's easy to do, like admittedly. That. Yeah. But I just because I they picked the kind of modern art that is the easiest target for art right. and modern art mockery. Mm-hmm. You know, look at like Tim said, literally just some water bottles and they just like stapled them to the wall it's garbage I guess mm-hmm. and then that's, they said I, hey art yeah that's the thing people make fun of mm-hmm. you know when they make fun of modern art or gallery art or whatever I think it's you. also appropriate though is like this is the kind of squalor these characters are living in yeah. like this is not shit that they see elevated to art that and we see it later right. when they toss the skinhead in the pile of trash yeah. and, you know I wonder which, which stuff of here is gonna be on the wall next month right, <laughs> right? like yeah. Now I want to fling some ice cream in the skinhead's face <laughs> and call it skinhead all the mode. <laughs> but and there was an interesting moment too, like you brought up the break dancing, where when they all start running outside, but there's one guy who's doing a head spin and he just keeps going, like he's kind of just like the break dancer. Yeah, you know, I don't know if it was like this this sort of meditative experience where. He was oblivious to what was going on. He was like so in the zone, or if it was just kind of this, you know, like avoidance kind of thing. Like I'm uh, just whatever. Like I don't want to go out there. Like there's all this stuff. I'm yeah. just here, you know. I kind of felt it? like it was same shit, different day, same shit. Like yeah, it's like I'm not gonna around stop around doing around, this. It's yeah. just gonna continue. It's a cycle. This yeah. is not gonna mm-hmm. stop. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, I, it, it, and it kind of I feel like relates to one of the my big takeaways too. Um, so when, when he's telling the joke about the guy falling off the skyscraper at the very beginning, um, it reminded me of uh, years ago I'd written, uh, the author Daniel Quinn talks about our, our society. And I think this is more global. I'm not trying to, like, I feel like people get angry when you single out one country over the other, like one country is the, you know, the center of it. But, but I think our society as a whole um, is like a, a flying machine that a bunch of people are in that is falling and because it hasn't hit the ground yet everyone thinks they're flying and and the the sort of the main point of that is like that that the fall is inevitable like it is going to crash because it is not flying it is falling but every and and that was exactly what the joke is like so far so good so far because he hadn't hit the ground yet but him hitting the ground was inevitable and sort of, you know, me hearing that thing, I was like, okay, what's uh, one of the things I wanted to look for is what is the significance of this? And the, the, back to that scene at the very end when you were talking about how he comes up, you know, he has the gun now, he comes up against the cop, the sort of the calm in his face is almost like, like this is inevitable. Like this, this showdown between the two of us and sort of, you know, like, yes, he's been kind of the elder all along, but also, it's almost like it describes this like cosmic level thing like he predicted this like he knew this was his destiny all along like oh this is why I'm here in this moment with this gun in my hand this is what I need to do and you know because that was the thing is there wasn't I expected him to sort of just come up behind the cop and like out of anger but he doesn't he walks around in his face like I want you to know that it's me doing this you know mm-hmm. and there was like there was very little emotion he, on his he face, sort of succumbs know? to what Vince was fighting against the whole film yeah and it's just you like know? this now is inevitable power is in his hand yeah. like we have been falling this whole film going so far so good so far so good and it's like nope this is like we need to hit the ground that's the only way this can end mm. um, and that was one of the, my favorite like big picture aspects of this is that you know there's no uh, <laughs> the, the you know the Fight Club line I think I've used this in a one, another one recently the the survival rate 
given in a long enough timeline, the survival rate for everyone drops to zero. You know, like like this is inevitable. You know, and it's it's also an instance from you know like also reminded me of that that scene from the Matrix too, where Neo's fighting hey, Agent Smith Matrix. the whole time. Boom, there it is. He's fighting Although, like, Agent Smith the whole time. It earlier with the guns, but, right? Uh, so yeah, fighting but, uh, Agent Smith. Yeah, but like the 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 thing he has to realize is that though this is this is inevitable. I have to to surrender to this, and and there was that that sort of that same sort of piece of like okay. This is how this has to end, and that, you know, you lose the emotion, you lose the fight, you lose, you know, and it's like boom, and here are these two, and that was another thing I thought was really cool too, is that you get that sense of um, that that yin and yang between him and the cop, you know, with you know each having that that sort of symmetrical gun in each other's face, yep. mm-hmm. each cocking the gun, mm-hmm. you know, it's you know like you said with the breakdancer just spinning same shit different day spinning around like this this is the endless cycle of just like we just kill each other like back and forth. Not a movie you'd find at Blockbuster. <laughs> you might. They had a few foreign films and. Sorry, I was just trying to ham yeah. fist a Blockbuster <laughs> references into it. Sorry. Gash. Um, First he forgets the coin, and now this. Yeah, I'm. I'm just <laughs> scrambling. Like I said, I have no sticks. Clearly, he contributes nothing. Uh, it's nothing. No. Uh, Ah, well, if you know how to record and edit podcasts, contact us. <laughs> <laughs> Have you dreamed of internet me- mediocrity? <laughs> <laughs> you could be heard by 12 people. So other things I thought of going along, um, it, this reminded me, parts of this reminded me of certain other films. And I yeah, know you please. said one of the, one of the moments was the, when they I'd go to, to Asterix Place and huh. you Scott so, brought this up saying this is actually like the scene in Boogie Nights yeah, where they go to see the drug, so drug dealer yeah the thing that did it for me was I watched a um, a few weeks ago I, I think it was a Family Guy episode something that parodied the these our main characters show up at a drug den and there's this lunatic drug dealer and crazy crap happens and mm-hmm. my first thought was La Haine. but then upon googling it was very definitely Boogie Nights I mean right. aesthetic was Boogie Nights yeah. so that or was what had, had on my mind this time yeah, when we yeah. watched and so I looked at uh, uh, Boogie Nights came out two years after this day. Right. I don't know whether there was any influential connection between the two mm-hmm. you know yeah. but um, yeah there's definitely we show up at the, the drug dealer's place and mm-hmm. he's nuts right <laughs> well but the other two films I thought about too and I looked them up on IMDB and they actually both came out in 1995 mm. one of them was, was Friday because there's that whole deal of, you know, this gun that carry and even though Friday's a comedy and it yeah. doesn't deal as much with the police and that aspect of it, wow. but there's this there's this gun that's kind of carried through the whole thing and it really only surfaces a few times, once at the very beginning right. and then um, is it, I forget if it comes up in the well there's the discussion with his father about the gun. Right. Um, but then at the very end when he pulls it out on on um, on Debo and you actually have that moment, you know, where, okay, you have to make this choice, you know. Um, but but a lot of it kind of reminded me of that and and that sort of um, that sort of centerpiece. Uh, I guess it wasn't so much of a centerpiece, and it's much more triumphant but, too at the end of yeah, Friday. But no, yeah. that's an interesting parallel. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then the other one was kids, where ah, you yeah. have this group of assholes just <laughs> yeah. like wandering around all I day, and and it's just kind of like showing them in different situations and scenarios and how you're not sure if you like any of them or if you do which ones you do would like which ones you mm-hmm. don't like you know it's like and and it kind of weaves in and out you know and i feel like like wow kind of like people you know it's like 
how you know there are some people that you just you like and that's cool and some people you're like I, okay i don't like this person and some people you're kind of back and forth about <laughs> like yeah. it depends on the day and so it was just really interesting to see that same kind of thing where you know we're following these people and I haven't made my decision yet, you know, and, and, you know, they're almost like purposely playing with you like that. Like, oh, I'm going to set you up that this is your favorite character out of this group. And then he's by the end going to do the shittiest thing, you know, mm -hmm. or this is the person who we're setting you. Know, and that was sort of the example in kids with Casper where you're like, wow, out of all these people, Casper seems to be the coolest one. And then he seems to be maybe not the worst because I feel like Telly is probably still the worst. Um, but you're like, wow, Casper's a piece of shit, too. Like, what the fuck, you know? Mm -hmm. And this one kind of does the opposite. are more complicated than yeah. just good or bad. Right. Well, it's like characters in a movie. They all yeah. have some thing we're going to latch on to, but then they don't. They're just people. Yeah. Or, <laughs> oh. you know, or, oh. or, and that's the thing, too, is like how, you know, and this is a big issue nowadays, too, where, you know, having the, this person who you follow along and you're like, yeah, this person's cool, and they do sort of one thing wrong, and that just sort of, boom, you're done to me. It you're dead to me. You know, that's it, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, and not, not to make a, a commentary on whether we should or shouldn't do that, but just that is a thing that happens, and that sort of happens there. Um, but with, with uh, what's-his-face, um, Vince, he's like the opposite, I feel like. you They set him up the whole movie to almost be the bad guy. Yeah. You know, like, you're he's the one you're afraid of. He's the one that you're kind of like, oh, God, like, like you're creating all this conflict in a sense. And yeah, you think that he's going to have a fit of power trip vengeance and yeah. just ruin everything yeah I thought he was gonna kill um, Hubert like yeah uh, right. as it was yeah. said and I was like that's mm -hmm. gonna be the final showdown he's gonna they're gonna be fighting over it and he's gonna shoot him and that's yeah. gonna be the like mm. so it, it, like you said it was building him up for this fall mm -hmm. yeah I had forgotten just this as you were talking it reminded me of this that we Vince sees somebody murder somebody after the fight, he goes with those guys, and they try to get in this club. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And the guy walks over and shoots the guy through the peephole. Yeah. And the door, he you hear his, you hear him thump against the door, and the weight pushes. And the, the door way they open, shoot it, he comes out. His hands are over his face as he yep. collapses or stumbles. I can't really yeah. tell. And you, you know. hear a woman screaming in the background. Yeah. But the way it's shot is you see Vince's face and you see the bullet. Yeah. It's like, two separate like camera behind, shots yeah. facing different directions cut together onto the screen. So that just adds another layer to that kind of like the, the will he, won't he. Throughout. And when the yeah. gunshot goes off, Vince blinks and yeah. jumps. Both times. It shoots, yeah. shoots twice, two or three times, that guy. And yes. Yeah. 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 So. Ah. And ah. And it, it really yeah. hits him. But there's a yeah, but there's a level I thought of desensitization. Like it does, it it startles him and it, it he's faces that, but it's not like that moment where he's like, oh right. no, I don't want to have this gun anymore. Yeah, because you know, leading up to know. that, he had all the movie theaters, mm -hmm. and then he went to a fight, very physical, primal, like yeah. violence. Yeah, he's yeah. hanging out with these guys. But the, I think the thing that might shock him about that was it was so casual. Yeah. Like, it was just like, okay, we can't get in the yeah, club, we can't get in the club. Because his whole thing was that it was going to be important. It means something. This is going to be the bullet. Moment. Yeah, I'm making a statement. The, the, a a cop for my friend, one for one. Yeah. yeah. And uh, these guys, this... this, this yeah, hey, he was, won't let us into this club. You know what? Yeah. I'm just sick of his ass. little walks up and, and that's yeah. it. And it's done. And it, what? Yeah. It sort of shocks him. Yeah. And, and I remember, too, like, the moment where they around the corner and the skinheads are there and you know the guy pulls off the bat and then here comes Vince around the corner and my thought was 
that's why you're friends with a guy like that, <laughs> you know, because, <laughs> you know, there's that, that sense of like, you know, okay, like they just got into a fight, but he's still going to come in and kind of save the day in that sense. The asshole's always good in a rumble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so that was, you get this little bit of redeeming, uh, of, of a redeeming moment of him, or not, I guess not redeeming, but like this sort of necessary evil, I guess, in a sense. Because that, that was, I think, that that moment right there is like, okay, this doesn't excuse his behavior all up until this point, but okay, it's a sort of, uh, <laughs> for lack of better term, like everything happens for a reason. Like almost like Gollum in The Lord of the Rings, you know? <laughs> had Gollum not been there, you know, all would have been lost. Like he had to be there <laughs> to, to sort of, you know, <laughs> fuck things up in his own way, but thereby save the day, you know? Yeah. It, it, that scene reiterates the power of the gun, which was lost in the club shooting. Because in the club, uh, Asterisk plays with the gun like a toy, it's nothing important. Mm-hmm. And then in the club scene, they just, ah, you know what, yeah, bang, bang, they shoot the gun, that's it. It's, there's mm-hmm. no, again, there's no impact, there's no weight, there's no, this is a big deal. But that scene brings Scares us the back shit out of the skin to mm-hmm. Vince's original ideal of this is a powerful object. This is a symbol. And... And it has the capacity to change things around it. To oh my god! Its environment is and this movie the Lord of the Rings? <laughs> yeah, it does. The, the gun is the ring. Yes. Head, whoosh! People vanish, and the guy becomes a gibbering wreck. You know, and mm-hmm. that that brings back the weight of of the act that had been lost in the prior scenes. <laughs> the other thing I liked about Vince coming back is like th- there's that idea of that this is a character that these these guys liked that they were friends because he's loyal he's willing to go to bat for you he's mm-hmm. I really got some really strong um, Ben Affleck from Goodwill Hunting <laughs> like mm-hmm. the way he dresses the way he talks the way he postures mm-hmm. like those two could have been French and English or American equivalents right. like they're mm-hmm. very very similar so yeah um, we've covered a lot of ground actually in this podcast I it took a little to get moving, but it really started to flow. Yeah, so just far. me stumbling over racial issues. Yeah, well, 400 years of pain and suffering, and Joel doesn't know what the fuck to say about it. <laughs> but I, 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 you've both done a lot. It's I don't know. I like this one. This one went better than no, I expected. No, it definitely did. Well. Like, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Is there anything else you all would like to touch on that we haven't reached? I really liked Bathroom Yoda. That, yeah, that whole that scene was, was just, really, just glorious. Yeah. And it's really enjoyable. Despite being really sad at the end. No, no, I'm just, he died. Oh. oh, we were enjoying this story about a man's death. Hmm. Um, do we want to talk about the cow? Yes, actually, I did want to talk about okay. the cow. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. Probably Navash. the one thing I have not yet formed any, an opinion on in this film, and I don't mean I formed opinions ah, in the film. I just mean I've but I've seen the film long ago and spent a lot of time thinking about it. And for the cow, me, the whole thing, the cow is just still, huh? What's going on with the cow? So. <laughs> There are a few things they return to conversationally. The guy in the skyscraper. They return to the... I heard it with a rabbi. Yeah. They return to... How'd they get the car in here? Yeah. <laughs> when they show up at Hubert's gym, there's a burned out car. And the first thing they say is, how'd they do that? The doors aren't wide enough. How'd they get a car in here? <laughs> and that comes up like 16 more yep. times. And the cow. Vin says, during the riot, last night I broke away from the group. I ran off and I came around the corner. And I ran into this cow. Face to face with a cow. No one else was there. No one saw it. And we so kind of have talking this, about this cow. Yeah, there's Fuck this your history cow. of yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I say there's history of Vince kind of being a bullshitter too. Is mm-hmm. like that's the thing. It's like such a ridiculous Vince story. Vince and Saeed both. Yeah. Uh, 
Sorry, I, I just But Vincent's are more believable, you know, for sure. Talking about driving twelve rounds in Israel in his Mercedes, yeah. as opposed to Saeed talking about railing this girl all night. Ah. Uh-huh. Um, uh. right? it's so, that's so childish the way he talks about <laughs> that's it. Like, 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 ah. but, because that's what he was going on, basically. Yeah. No, he was giving sure. these weird notes. Yeah. So, Fuck you, so then when they're standing in the projects, the rap music is going. It starts in the guy's windows. This beautiful, sweeping, sort of dreamily drifting shot across the top of the projects it comes down and lands on a Vincent Saeed standing in one of the other courtyards hearing the music just drifting dreamily through the projects and Vincent is saying this guy knows what he's doing and they're listening to the music and pointing up and and Vincent turns and there's the cow there's a cow just walks out in the middle of the little gap between the buildings looks at him and then just keeps walking and that's when he's telling Saeed, look, look, the cow, look at the cow. And Saeed says, fuck your cow, and doesn't even doesn't turn his head. Look. So was the cow real? <laughs> like, so really, do you? what do you guys think? Do you guys think the cow was real, firstly? So, so okay. so I can't decide. So here's what I've been putting together. I think the cow is real. <laughs> so, well, okay, I'm not going to speak to the cow and on the level of the reality of the film. <laughs> but, you know, so, so me, I like to try to see, like, you know, me- metaphor. So yeah, when I think cow, if a cow is important, I think Hinduism. Okay. okay. So in Hinduism, I think the three lead uh, deities are Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, there are three of those, three of those guys, okay. And um, Shiva, I think, is the god, the goddess, I believe, of, of death, but it's so that the world can be reborn. Creation okay. and destruction. Right. Yeah. Um, and Lots of reincarnation and cyclical things in lots of religions around the world right mm-hmm. and so i was kind of playing around with that and one of the things is, and the, so do you kind of pointed this out there's also i think part of the mythology is that every time i think it's brahma opens his eyes the universe is born and every time he closes his eyes the universe dies and it opens eyes and it's born and it starts with saeed opening his eyes and it ends with saeed closing his eyes so I wonder yeah, if there's, film. and again, this, this is, is me opening and closing into, you know, shots, right. almost cyclical. So, so you know, part of me kind of wonders, like, okay, is there supposed to be this, maybe this Hindu undertone of like this, this sort of mythological, you know, journey, sort of the same way, like, and I probably wouldn't read this much into it, except that you know, a movie like Oh Brother Where Art Thou is the Odyssey or the Iliad, which one, whatever one is it, Odyssey, Odyssey. So it's like, so sure, like there are these normal ass movies made with normal ass people that have these huge epic mythological stories behind yeah. them. So who's to say that, like, okay, maybe... You could stitch the, the end and the beginning together in an editing room with the same gunshot noise. And the film would end, zooming in on Saeed, he closes his eyes, and then, like gunshot, just Boom, changes that's, scene. that's the big Boom. bang. He that's is the now standing, universe, standing somewhere know. else in same clothing at a different time at the morning. And he opens his eyes. And the film just happens again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could stitch those yeah. two shots together beautifully. Yeah, and that, and you know, the, I don't know, I think, and again, this is me trying to tie it together for my own purposes, but the idea of, yeah, that, that inevitability, and so maybe... So how does that bring us back to the cow? Well, just that the cow, uh, and I mean, if there is some sort of Hindu mythology that has all this, you know, the cow is an important animal within their mythology, so sure. whether it's put there by the director as kind of like nudge, a, a breadcrumb right. to sort of put you in that direction... Um, or if you know if if within that there is a, a a role that the cow would play in in one of 
a, a sort of a Hindu epic that or something like maybe that. Maybe that Vin's is seen something they're not seeing then. The others aren't seeing some truth that they don't understand. Maybe. That he's about to have a revelation. That he is seeing things that he thinks are important, but it turns out they're not. He needs to learn how to let things go. I mean, yeah. where I'm, I'm just I'm not trying to attack. I'm trying to pry. Well, well, yeah, because I also don't know necessarily the the role of of the cows being sacred. I know that they are sacred, but I don't sure. know. Plus, I also think there's a specific type of cow. Um, but uh, but anyway, I was just saying, like I said, where my train of thought went. Um, and I'm almost wondering too, if like through this whole thing, if um, uh, what's his name, Hubert, Saeed and Vince, and no, the other, is it Hubert? Is he yeah, the Hubert's our, Hubert. our gym owner. If if he's supposed to be Shiva, because he's the one who kind of brings the cycle to the end by being like, okay, this is my role to kind of okay, here's this antagonist, like I have to kill you and you kill me, and this mm. is what starts things over. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what role Vishnu plays. So I don't, and, but and I'm, I'd be, I'd probably guess that Vince is supposed to be Vishnu, but I don't know is it's sort of if if that's, um, if there's a significance, you know, to what that god is, and like, oh, okay, this is the role you're playing, and this is how the three of them are playing this out, yeah. you know, through this whole. Thing. I like this. I like this a lot. So this is this is Fantastic what I do. Too. This is the way I think. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. It's worth. I mean, maybe this will be something for the recap too. Maybe I'll sure. do some research yeah. on it and come yeah. back yeah. to it. It'll be, be like, by the way, yeah. this is you know. Or maybe it's all bullshit, and I'm reading it. <laughs> Joel, Cal? Something about it just hammers home the idea that this is outside the city. That mm. this project is so much closer to the countryside <laughs> than any urban center as Americans were familiar with. I think that's kind of a, a, a piece of it. There's also something about the idea that, like, the environment in which they find themselves is chaotic and for a cow to show up there as surreal as it seems with those surroundings it's not any more mad than the world that they're living in there is also something to the fact that Vince is the only one to see it it, and that I thought the cow thing they were going to make something of it at the end of the film because it comes up twice and not a third time Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think Maybe the cow is a, a hint at the fact that there is this broader world going on outside of what we're seeing in our story mm-hmm. and that it is completely irrelevant to them. They can't always control it and it can't and won't always influence them. So they might as well just be that cows. Whether Vins lets it go or dwells on it doesn't isn't matter. going to the change cow. the cow. Right. It might change what Vins does, but it's not going to change a lot. It's not going to reality. I don't know. You know, maybe our third cow is the scene at the end when he gets shot, because the, that outside world that had been continuing on the whole time they were in Paris comes back to them mm. and hits them hard. Yeah, I it, I don't know. As, as confusing as the cow is, I like its inclusion. It <laughs> yeah, add, it definitely like adds it. something. <laughs> I like it. And again, it's not, not something that took me out of it. No. In a world uh, gone mad, gone mad the, the cow's appearance makes sense. What you got, Tim? Oh, I'm still looking. It, yeah. It's not saying much Since yet. you've said world gone mad a few times, now we have to go watch Mad Max so we can say world gone mad six right. billion other times. Yep. Um, Which then, one? Uh, yes. And then, <laughs> that um, is the correct answer. And then what else can we watch that will let us stay, say that phrase? Welcome to the World Gone Mad podcast. <laughs> uh, we find excuses to use that phrase in relation to a film. Well, I mean, we could Constantly. fight club it up. We could yeah. 
watch all of Hannibal. Alice in Wonderland stuff. Ooh. Because why not? God, it's um, a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Animated mm. Alice is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Good stuff. So, <laughs> just, oh god, right. Sam's cracking up. Oh god. <laughs> what if if we want to brace we yourself, listeners? <laughs> <laughs> if we wanted to tie this into the Marvel universe, maybe the cows are watchers. <laughs> <laughs> Witness. Moo, moo. God damn it! <laughs> oh, what have you done? Oh man. What have you done? That Tim is such a silly Billy. <laughs> what are you looking at? Yeah, under your shirt. Oh, What's that? Oh, it's a lump of cat hair. Oh, oh God, get it out. Christ, get away from me. It's like kryptonite to Scott. I, I wasn't sure if it was like a bug or something is why yeah, I was no. looking. No, yeah, it's, it's like all like the, the hair just gets... It's, like in the Welcome laundry. to our personal so lives. It's, yeah. Um, well, yeah. It's, it's clean because that's what happens remind in the laundry me. when there's hair. It just gets all like... Anyway. Yeah, so Those cats are disintegrating. Remind me never touch your clothing. Help. Um, yeah. I enjoy breathing. So, um, <laughs> I don't even want to touch my clothes. <laughs> uh, I don't even want to touch myself. Uh, oh. Come on, Joel. Number three. Let's go. One, two. Where's our number three? Make it worse. Make it more depressing. I, I, you, you, He's failed us again. Uh, I, I what is I'm that? The third time again. this podcast? Damn no. it. <laughs> okay. okay. I'm sorry. Um, it's Larry, Moe, and Harry. It's too <laughs> much pressure. It's Larry, Moe, and that guy. Yeah, Harry. That guy we found on the street. All right. Um, didn't they do that? Didn't they replace one of the Stooges and it didn't yeah, work? Yeah, like Shemp. Uh, it was Shemp, that's yeah, right. Yeah, Shemp is the worst. Jesus. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, is there any, you had some notes, Joel. I, Tim, I don't know if you took any. Is there anything else uh, y'all have been thinking about? that we? Not just a solid flick. I, I liked that a lot. That was... Wow, yeah. Did you did you like it, Tim? I oh, yeah, I loved it. Specifically. Yeah, yeah good, mm-hmm. cool. Oh, yeah, I'm very happy. I'm yeah, glad you guys yeah. enjoyed it. Definitely got a lot of meta for, mm-hmm. for Tim. And yeah. yeah. One of my favorite <laughs> movies... Just up there in terms of, I just it's just so good. That's and really I, solid. I both enjoy it, even though bad stuff happens. You know, like sometimes you watch a film that's sad or depressing or what have you, and you, it's a good film, and you're glad you watched it. But I, this one, I just enjoy. Looks the journey. It's yeah, fun no, for sure. And, you know, well made, and I think about it a lot. Yeah, great, fantastic. I will say during my class about European cinema, we watched films from from Germany, from the UK, from France, from Spain. A good sampling from each country. I was surprised and consistently very satisfied by the French films we watched as a whole. So if any of your listeners too, if you're interested in branching out, I would highly recommend looking into the French film industry. And especially the films that make it to the US. Um, we tend to have tend to only bring over things that are worth bringing over from all countries, you know, British television, etc. In the same way that only the biggest productions tend to make their way across from our country. But regardless, uh, taste-wise, I really clicked with French film, and with La Haine especially. So yeah, thank you both so very much for watching that with me. I really appreciate it. I know it's not the fastest, and there's there's no music in the whole film, Mm -hmm. except the song at the beginning montage and that rap song. Mm -hmm. But it's not necessarily a quiet film. It uses silence when it needs to be, but it's, the other thing is like it was brisk on. too. Like it was mm. what ninety seven minutes. Yeah, like that, oh, okay. I, so, yeah, I feel like the pace is slow enough that ninety seven minutes is a good length. No, it's it, it was good. It did. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, do we want to do what Tim is bringing us next month, or situational recommendations, or that one? Recommendations. <laughs> All right. Do either of you have something you want to bring up for a situational yeah. one? Yeah. Um, 
feel like I had a glimmer of one a while ago, but I've forgotten it. Okay, I've. So you do it. Because I, I, it's mine are always never, always never. Always mine never. are never always situational no, never. recommendations. <laughs> They're more just questions. But I, yeah. whatever. Uh, so the one I brought up here is. What film did a significant other introduce to you that you liked more than you thought you would? So, oh, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, okay. someone I you were dating, sleeping with, out, whatever. Yeah. Can I do um, this It doesn't one? have to be your current person, you know, anything. Just someone <laughs> someone you were with, not for the movies, brought you a movie that you liked more than you thought. Can, can I do this one, but can it not be a movie? Because this is... I guess. This I, is, well, no, there are no I mean, rules it, in this it, podcast. It, Who no. am I kidding? <laughs> Anarchy. <laughs> riot. <laughs> riot. Um, hey, too soon, riot. man. Too, too soon. soon. Uh, yeah, um, you, you be the... the, the characters in the film railing against my government yeah. <laughs> police then whatever <laughs> no, okay anyway please go um, so uh, I want to set this up right so <laughs> I've had I don't, I don't want to overgeneralize but in my own personal experience and not say again not saying that this is a general rule because it's been my experience but in my experience um, many of the women I've dated have, have not been all that funny and things that they've thought were funny I have not thought was funny mm-hmm. and so when I first started dating my my now wife she she presented something to me that she was like oh have you seen these they're, they're hilarious and I was like okay sure you can show them to me <laughs> and never have I been so be- so happy to sort of like eat my words I mean not that I said it to her that like yeah this probably isn't funny but I'm going to humor you she introduced me to the walking throughs where it's God a guy who does an YouTube impression of Christopher videos, Walken. Yes. Yeah, YouTube videos, an impression of Christopher Walken, and plays video, plays games. video games, and and just does commentary like like plenty of other people do nowadays. That's like a thing people do where they just play a game and talk about it, and people watch that for hours. But his whole um, thing is, is that, that he's he doing it as Christopher Walken. As Christopher Walken. I didn't have yeah. enough commas in there. Right. Even <laughs> you had more of a Shatner comma instead of a Walken comma. <laughs> There's someone on the. <laughs> Someone on the wing. Some um, thing. And and I remember she showed this to me, and I was just like, I okay, sure. And I was just like, oh my god, this is actually hilarious. Like, oh wow, like my my brand new girlfriend actually has like a sense of humor similar to mine, which could very well be part of the reason why like we've been together and actually lasted. And I've actually you know after you being her, you know being it, unmarried for over thirty five <laughs> years of my life, saying this is the one, this mm-hmm. is the one. That and she, her, you know, she had a huge TV, as I've discussed in the show. <laughs> that's the dream. I, that's the dream. <laughs> to marry if, uh, somebody with a bigger TV. That's my favorite thing. So, Joel, if you want to, for once in this podcast, not let us down and give us an actual movie, God. Oh, I, I, I'm so I, sorry. That was vicious. No, no, that's good. Like, I, I, I need to fe- be fueled by the negativity. Yeah. I'm um, going to egg you on like Hubert the Devins. Huh, Joel? Do you yeah, have a film? Yeah. Were you all thought? Do you have anything you can bring to this episode? I need to. Just, I need to take a look decoration. at the movies that we own, to to be reminded of. Okay. Let, let, give me a second here. Okay, I'll go in the meantime. I have two, because I'm a cheater. One of which is sort of. Wait. I liked it. <laughs> cheater in what sense? Because we're talking about significant others. There it is. He's back, baby. Two significant others. Two films. <laughs> How to be a player. Oh, that was God. my favorite um, oh, Banging man. girls left and right. No, I, I, the first one was a girl I was seeing in high school. She showed me Rent. Now, I like musicals. I worked in a musical theater for a long time. So I hadn't discounted Rent. I just had never come across it, right? Um, it doesn't 
particularly click to me in any particular taste way or story way or what have you. But it was good. It was fun. And because it had already become by then something that people talked about a lot and especially liked to disparage as sort of dumb or, or I, I don't know, cheesy, should I say? I, I, my expectations were beat in the sense that it was like, oh, no, this was actually it was good. This is a well-written yeah. and well-told story. <clears throat> didn't click to my tastes, so I haven't gone and got it. But in that sense, it was better than I thought. My more proper answer, if you will, is actually fairly recent. The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. That's a good movie. Right? Which I saw trailers for, didn't really know what it was about, and thought, that's eh, probably good, maybe I'll look into it some other time, whatever. And then it just vanished. People stopped talking about it. Didn't talk about it in the first place. I forgot it existed, and oh well. And uh, my girlfriend said, oh, have you ever seen The Secret Life of Walter Mitty? Because it's really, really good. And I said, oh, no, I haven't seen it. I was sort of indifferent. It was like, you know, you're going to put on something from your huge collection of films that I've never seen before? Sure, it could be that. It could be most of these other ones. I don't have a particular... I, there was something about it that made me go, ooh, maybe, but I, you know, I've heard it was good, but I... Eh. And oh my god, I want to go buy it. Just as soon as it finished, it was like, can I go on Amazon right now? <laughs> I haven't done that yet because I'm broke. But oh my gosh, everything about that film was phenomenal. It could have been very easily a sort of saccharine, you know, living your life to the fullest story. But it isn't. It's instead a very heavily weighted, very honest and close look at all the different things that go on in life. And gorgeous. And what you make of them. Oh, yes. Super well shot. Like, I really love... Ben Stiller's di- directorial hand in that movie—it mm, it just mm. really was ah, so good. That's a good one. That—that's—I'm glad you've experienced that movie. Um, mm. Damn it, this is gonna be. Oh, okay. Well, I, this one's kind of a cop out. Uh, no, okay, it's a fair one. Okay, P.S. I love you. Yeah. So I had this macho shithead like kind of rom com. I don't want to watch that because I have a penis, <clears throat> which is not an argument to not see movies. And Tina, my my girlfriend partner who I live with now, had said, "Hey, we should watch this." And I was like, "Okay, I guess we'll watch this." It's fucking beautiful. I love that movie. Aww. It makes me cry. It's really well constructed. Mm-hmm. Great acting. Great. It's it's sentimental as hell. Mm-hmm. But it's a really powerful movie. I like it a lot. It, that's the one where the guy passes away and he ends up, spoiler alert, <laughs> he ends up setting up all of these things post-mortem for his wife to do to kind of get over him or be able to so move on. So we just on. make a list of films that get spoiled and be attached yeah, to I mean, the title that's, of Yeah, I mean, that's a, a yeah. disclaimer. I mean, semi-serious yeah. question, though, because we talk about other films a lot. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, anyway, I'm sorry, Joe, please. I do no, know. I mean, you said that, I mean, you say that we will spoil everything we talk about, so... Like, yeah, but we don't, they don't necessarily know that we're going to talk about P.S. I Love You. It's well, now, no, films. that's fair. Yeah. Only the episode, as it were. So maybe Gosh. we'll make a, a list. Yeah, but like... Uh, but I'm sorry, please. No, please. That, was, that was one that I, I didn't end up I had heard about it, didn't really have any interest about it. Tina said, hey, we should watch this. And I was like, okay, let's watch it. We got ice cream. We watched it and cried. It, it's it's beautiful. It's well done. I would recommend it to anybody. Like, it, it's a really good movie. I, Even someone with a penis? Yeah. <laughs> Especially. Because you can cry for more than your penis. <laughs> oh, dear God. What just happened? You know that thing where I was supposed to make it worse? I was saving it for that moment. <laughs> 
Hi, let's, Mom. Let's go in on the quote. Oh, please don't. You only write down mine. You're the one who gives me the most. Well, that's what she said. I'm a, ah. Hey, Tim. Tim joins the party. Oh, man. Will that joke ever not be funny? I don't know. I, so. I, will, I will run it into the ground. We'll just that's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> Oh god! Okay, it's unraveling <laughs> fast. <laughs> we should. I, I kind of oh, want to well. do, do. Do you want to to suggest a movie that a significant other suggested that you knew you weren't gonna like and ended up not liking? Ooh, that's a good. That's a good. I wait. It's one a that, good twist, but I don't know if we should trouble. do it with this one. I, yeah, I let's have save one. It. <laughs> let's save it. Okay. And I I would need to have time to think about it. Too. Okay. Wait, you said one that's that one significant that other, other suggested, you, but you ended up not liking it at all. Okay. Um, mm. Yeah, no, I'd have to. Really oh, okay, I know what that one is. <laughs> Tune in next time. Yeah. All right. So, but in all seriousness, next time, what are you bringing us, Tim? Oh, you yeah. Will be selecting that will be the end of our third cycle, Woo, episode nine. Yeah. Triumvirate. Mm. Yes. That's um, the thing. Yeah. So the sure. Thing? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Starts with it. tri. Means three something. <laughs> Triforce. Uh-huh. <laughs> Triforce 5. Yes. That's my favorite. That's fantastic. Um, so, yeah, so next time is my pick. Um, and, and it was funny. I kind of I, I kept going back and forth. There were two I had in mind, um, which led to, do we want to talk about our future plans for the podcast, or is it too soon? Should we hold off? We, we should do that recap. recap. Recap, okay. Yeah, that's so, a good way to okay. unveil our uh, plans. But if our recaps aren't mandatory, oh, that's we want to keep, oh, that's you know, keep them skippable. Should we yeah. do it on the next one, though? That's just, just a little bit. Um, a little, little we're thinking sizzle. about perhaps yeah. themed uh, cycles. cycles. Yeah. So, you know, pick Yuna, your favorite bye. guilty pleasure movie for one of each of us. Yeah. Or pick your favorite uh, horror or your favorite holiday movie, etc. Mm-hmm. We're thinking about tossing right. that idea around. Yeah. Uh, since we're probably going to do that, that helped him decide. Because right. one of the films he was thinking about picking would be his choice for the, for the is it guilty pleasure. Yeah, the guilty yeah. pleasure, yeah. which will be the next cycle. I won't say what the movie is, but yes, after this cycle finishes, we'll be doing a guilty pleasure cycle. You you have heard us mention this film on uh, the podcast. Yes. Before, okay. So yeah. maybe you can more sizzles. Please go back and scour our previous <laughs> right. podcast. Start a, 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 get those a subreddit sweet, get those about sweet it. Clicks. Yeah. What do you think Tim's <laughs> guilty pleasure pick is going to be? <laughs> so I decided on. The, my next pick for my pick for next time will be Pollock, the um, the biography starred and I believe directed by Ed Harris about the artist Jackson Pollock. That's um, yeah, so so amazing for so many reasons, um, both just as as a film as as a biography. Also, um, you know, it really made me look into the work of Jackson Pollock, who, which I love, um, and and even like the the stuff that Ed Harris did, like as Jackson Pollock like I would I wouldn't mind owning one of those you know because it was like you know it's not and and that's actually we'll save this for when we actually do it but there um there's of course been a lot of criticism and, and discussion about that style of painting um and there, there are a few documentaries I think that kind of f- f- like fall into that family uh one of them I think it's called my kid can paint that um, mm. And it's about you know people sort of criticizing that well is there any skill and this that and the other thing so that's something we could probably discuss but um, you know and there was uh, I think there was this this child where she was doing these paintings 
and it was like, oh man, like this is done by a six-year-old, and you know, galleries were, you know, they wanted to, you know, people were, were buying it and eating it up, and this and this and that, and then it turns out, oh, I think her father was helping her, blah blah blah, and all of a sudden it changed everyone's mind on sort of like the value, the, of yeah, the value of it, which which was sort of this whole other spin. It was like, well, you know, who do we blame for this whole thing? Is it Jackson Pollock's fault, or is that these art dealers, these people who are trying to, you know, sort of cash in and yeah, ascribe this absolute value on a piece of art, as opposed to like kind of you know, like letting people appreciate it for what they want it to be and everything. So, so it's really neat. It gets into a lot of that part of it, and I think it it sets up a lot of interesting discussion about that. Um, you know, and being sort of a, a sort of modern composer, I feel like you know very very connected and very interested in a lot of modern. Well, I guess I don't know if it would be considered modern now. And that's why I say modern, not twentieth century, because now <laughs> we're in the twenty first century. But you know, a lot of a lot of you know my my favorite period of music and art to study and to draw from is the 20th century where it made a huge shift um which brought us to where we are today um so anyway um yeah that's that's what i'm really excited to to watch mm -hmm. and discuss and yeah certainly yeah should be a good one i'm excited should as be. i say totally deadpan yeah <laughs> no, I am excited. much excite <laughs> many wow many wow <laughs> Doing me a concern. Very eagerness. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you're not gonna butcher it grammatically, you ain't doing it. Right. All right. Well, uh, thank you all so very much for joining us on this episode of Movie Mumble. Uh, it's actually the first one we've recorded in a little while. We had a bit of a gap, yeah. and I must say, yeah. it feels good to be back. No yeah. kidding. Uh, especially to have such a nice, fluid episode. It went very well. Yeah. Thank you both for joining me so much. Thank you. I look forward eagerly to next time. Listeners, I hope you'll be back. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Hey, listeners. We appreciate you tuning in for our podcast. We're now available on iTunes. If you'd like to check us out there, I'd be glad to have you subscribe. We'd also love to hear your feedback, whether it's a comment, review, or anything else. You can reach us all through our official Nerds That Geek emails, which you can find on the bio page at nerdsthatgeek.com. Or, if you can find us on social media, I'm on Instagram at Scott underscore W underscore Murray. And then on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at JoelT18. And on Instagram, I'm the Tim Gerard, And on Twitter, I'm at Tim Gerard. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you'll come back for more.